Well, this is the day the Lord has made, so we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. All right? I remember, as a child, I remember that being a verse that I'd hear every day. This is the day. This is it. This is the one. It wasn't yesterday. I'm excited about tomorrow, but this is the day. So somewhere in our hearts, we have to build that attitude of expectation because that's what faith in Jesus every day does, is it gives you the hope and the expectation that today can be better than yesterday. Even if yesterday was great, today can be better. And if yesterday was awful, today's hope. Amen. And so there, there's all these things. And it, this is part of what I'm called to do is speak and preach and just and more of an evangelistic capacity. But what I do in terms of a profession is uh, I work in broadcasting and television and camera systems and events and all this kind of stuff. So I, I travel a lot and I meet a lot of people. And I hear this over and over and over. Uh, just last week, I was in New York City, and I'm at the Time uh, Inc. building, and it's this beautiful palatial place, and all these people looking really good, standing around little round tables, commiserating. You know, they drive up in their Jag, and they're commiserating. If I just had a better life, I'm just so unhappy. If life was just different, I can't wait for something to change. And you're looking at it going, well, you seem to have everything <coughs> from, from here looking at you. You seem to have got it all together. Looks are deceiving. We're all good at it. We're, we're good at, at making people think things. We're, we're good at being happy when we're sad. We're good at sucking it up, buttercup, and moving on when we have to. But it's funny when you get in conversation. and they, I, I say sometimes I laugh and I say my light was on today. Like I can walk through Food Lion and, and all of a sudden people are telling me things that I don't know them really. But they're telling me all sorts of deep things about how their life is going. It's just something the light will come on. I guess I said hello and, and they felt like it was okay to tell me and I'm okay with that. But it's just funny sometimes when it comes on and I'm caught unaware. So I'm getting ready to speak, and I realize the light's on because here are these people coming up to me going, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I, I just got here. I had to rush, and this is going on with my family, and this is going on with my wife, and this is going on with the dog, and this is going on with the people, and I can't stand my job, and I wish things were better. And I, I was just amazed at how easily people will tell you, I wish my life were better. And the people that, will, that sometimes I'm encountering more and more here lately are saying it really out of a genuine sense of not being sure how to change anything. Of that searching and longing and wondering. But we have all, even as believers, said, you know, I, wish, I just wish things were better. I wish it were easier. So while I was there, I never, I very rarely post on Facebook. You guys know that. But y'all were on my mind and I was thinking about what I was going to preach about. And I was talking about people with better lives and, and then I run into that guy, and, and I remember, hey, you know, how awesome is this? I really love that movie, I, you know, and, and the, the whole thing with the nickels and the socks and the other movie. I mean, he's, he was a crazy guy, and he, he's done all sorts of amazing things. And, and I'm walking off, having just finished, and he's walking up, getting ready to start. And I thought, wow, cool, this is awesome. So we have this great conversation, and where does it go? Oh, if life were better. If things were better. If I could just have a better life. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Here's somebody who seemingly has everything going on. He's, he's famous. He's got all the trappings of whatnot. And then I began to look into his history. And then I saw this from a couple years ago. A little short film that he did where he really questioned everything. And, and the whole point of it was questioning if Jesus were here, 
in the middle of all the politics and whatnot, what would he think? Well, if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, you know what he would think. Render Caesar what's Caesar's, render God what's God. Get your heart straight because all of this other stuff is temporary. But if you don't know that, it's really, really confusing. So you can either stick your head in the sand and just say, well, there are people that think that stuff and let it go. And I can judge them based on an opinion that he had or, or a little expose. We can just ignore it and say, well, that's just the way they are. Or we can just go a little bit deeper. What is it that caused this process? And then when I begin to read all these little reviews, it says, if Jesus were living in America. Okay, well, that raised the first flag of uncertainty. If if, if he's living in me and I'm an American, he's in America. You know what I'm saying? God bless America. But that's true of all of us. It isn't an if. It's that he is. So that's your first trigger that, okay, something's missing in a relationship. And for those who currently identify themselves as Christians and are followers of Christ, how often do their personal beliefs and actions fall in line with the ideology of Jesus? That's a long sentence that says, I was hurt by somebody who claimed to be a Christian and didn't act like it. Have we not all had that experience? Somebody who claims to know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, but their actions are completely contrary. But if you're not solid in who you love and who you know and whose you are, then that interaction can change how you deal with the rest of your life. It can change how you see Jesus. It can change how much you depend on him and lead you down to that primrose path of wonder. We fall short. I fall short. Daily. Hourly. Jesus doesn't. It's a lot of distraction. A lot of distraction. The uncertainty, the looking for a better life, the got to find it, the quick fix. It's a distraction. A distraction is a thing that prevents you from giving your full attention to something. Distractions, they're around us constantly. I wanted to, to bring some marshmallows, but I didn't want to make the people in the women's club mad because if you just take, if I give every one of you a marshmallow and we just stand in the floor and I'm talking and you periodically throw marshmallows at me, that's the equivalent of tweeting, texting, calling, buzzing, thinking, worrying. I have a list by the bed because some nights I can't sleep of all the things that I'm worried I'm going to forget for the next day. There's so much to do. Life is busy. The needs of the people around us are great. And we want to make sure we don't forget anything. So we're looking for that better life. But I want to challenge him, you, us, all of us. That maybe that better life just comes from making better choices. So... I would like us to find that way to determine that I'm not just going to survive this life. I'm going to thrive in it. Not just going to survive. I'm tired of meeting Christians who are surviving. And I've felt it. That survival instinct kicks in. I'm just going to make it through this. God wants us to thrive. He doesn't want us to be distracted. He wants us to focus on him. Because in our darkest moments, if your focus is in the right place, there is a shining light that comes. It is a bright spot in a horrible day where you feel that sudden sense of peace. You ever felt peace when you felt so stinking sad or upset and there was a peace that surpasses understanding? And you're like, oh my gosh, that's scriptural. There it is. I should not be peaceful, but for some reason I am. Ooh, that's weird. We even try to shake it off because it's so foreign. 
That's Jesus. That's a Jesus moment. That's a touch. It's a conscious decision. We have to decide. Where do we draw the line with our focus? Where's that line drawn? When do you get distracted? When, when does the shiny thing more important than the relationship? So Colossians. I wrote it all up here so you don't have to flip and look and all that stuff. Early Christians found themselves struggling with a deceptive mix of spiritual error, blending philosophies, misleading ideas. Some were from Jewish backgrounds, some were for Gentiles, some arising from pagan superstitions, some from the teachings of the Far East. While all were attempting to make faith more complicated, ritualistic, and controlled, it was less about Jesus and more about the power of the presenter. The same distractions that derail our spiritual life today have been going on for centuries. Isn't it, when you begin to read Colossians, you realize everything that he, Paul is writing about, we are dealing with right now. Well, he was visited in prison, and he was told about the church in Colossae, and the, the Christians who lived there had begun to listen to false teachers. Now, listening to a false teacher doesn't mean that you, hey, I bought a ticket and I went to see him or whatever. It's the subtlety of everyday life now for us. It's not going to a mass meeting necessarily. Well, Colossae was a trade center, and people from all over the world passed through its ports. The false teachers did not seem to deny the gospel message. Instead, they just slightly changed it. They often taught extra things. They added rules to the gospel. Paul wrote to the Christians in Colossae to remind them about the sacrifice of Jesus. Can you imagine living in that time period, having, I don't know, maybe attended the crucifixion? And then the stories abound of the tomb being rolled away. The seal was broken. The tomb was rolled away. It's empty. We can't find the body. Oh, my goodness. Talk about an inquirer moment. And they forget so quickly. Are you kidding me? And then his true message. Paul wrote more about Christ in this letter than in any of his letters. We must be careful to not be like the believers in Colossae. Now, I don't know if you know where Colossae is. It's in the middle, C-L-Y-C-I-A, just above that. So they weren't right on the coast. But do you see, this is basically like the internet of, of, of biblical times. They are on the coast. The ships are coming in. The people are coming from other places. Stuff's coming. They're talking. This, is, this goes even back to when we studied colonial times when it was the guy on the horse that showed up at the bar and he had all the stories and told everybody. It's the same thing going on here. And as people's uncertainty and desire for a better life and things are hard and camels stink, they all get to talking. And they start comparing notes. And the next thing you know, oh, well, you know, I felt much better when I burned an incense and I felt much better when I did this and when I knelt on a carpet and I prayed to the east or the west or the whatever. All of a sudden they started exchanging ideas. And the ideas got exchanged really quickly and easily, but the one that I find really disturbing is the one with the most powerful message, the one with the cross, the crucifixion, and an empty tomb, and a resurrection, and an appearance, and miracles, and wonders, and the blind could see. They forgot. They were so busy listening to the stories of the new people, they forgot what they had lived through, had experienced, had seen for themselves as believers. Of the price they had to pay to get to the point they were a Christ follower. It wasn't easy. 
That's us. <laughs> Virginia, Bacosin, coast. And you say, well, Angela, you're trying to make a comparison. No, I'm saying our, our coast is this. We're everywhere. The internet. We can grab any information you want. You search it. You seek it. You can find it all by yourself. You can get advice from people. You can chat. You can talk. You can dial in. You can call a prayer line. You've got to give your credit card first and they're going to pray with you. But you know what I'm talking about. You can find those answers quick when you're seeking. But what if you don't know what you're looking for? What if you don't know who you're looking for? What if the relationship that you claim to have in your heart is so tenuous that even one biting comment and a social media thumbs up, click up or down changes that? We need to get on secure footing. I don't want to be like the people in Colossae where a guy in prison for his faith has to write to me to say, wise up. You think your life is bad? Come here. In the middle of Paul's prison was a, an open, uh, it was like a ditch that the sewer for the city flew through. He had it bad. It was hard. It was harsh. But out of that harsh situation with a true relationship, he could write hope. Whereas the ones on the outside frittering around the coast, working, living, doing their thing, were struggling with the temptation of easy, different. We can search for anything. Is this how you search? It's really simple. A lot of people complicate. How, is it, how do I find Jesus? Close this. Open this. Just for a minute. Quit knowing it all for just a second. Quit believing you have the answers at your fingertips for just a second. And allow your heart to cry out. If you search spiritual self-defense, it's really funny. Because at the same time you'll get the dynamic art of spiritual self-defense. How to apply the word of God. If you notice, the next guy is teaching you how to defend yourself spiritually from alien abduction. You have to be careful. You've got to guard your heart. It's precious. The relationship with Jesus is precious. It is defendable. It is something that when it's part of you and it's who you are, there's no guy that's going to teach me from outer space how all of this is going to come together for me. That's not happening. It's completely contrary to the word of God. But the only way you know that is if you know him. Found this. I thought you guys might find it funny. I always did. Guy did a watch. It's a Google thing. You get, it's got the word repent on it. It's to remind you when you look at your watch to repent. But there are no hands on the watch. The whole point of it is to constantly remind you. You're falling short. You must repent. You're falling short. You must repent. What kind of burden is that to live under? Yeah, we fall short. Jesus, please forgive me. Done. Move on in the grace of God. And you know, this little device, it's a solar device that does constant scripture all day long. So no matter where you go, it's constantly reminding you, constantly reminding you. The word of the Lord, you want to hear God's word. You want to read God's word. But I must challenge you more importantly than hearing and reading is it's in here and it comes up, out and through. When it can speak to you from inside, you know you've done something. You know you have a relationship. It's not a, I remember an ink pen broke in my Bible. And it went all over that page. And I couldn't see a thing. It drove me nuts. I had to know. What did it say there? I'd read it thousands of times. But for some reason, all of a sudden, the inability to see it 
I had to, I had to go find another one. I got to say, what is this? It's hidden. But it's not about the devices and the gadgets and the making it easy. It's about the relationship. It's about the remembrance. It's about the putting a little one in your heart. Even if it's just, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad. Something that can remind you. It's his words, not mine. Because we get to those places where we want a better life. And you can't encourage yourself. But God can. His word can. Reminding you that there's something bigger than you. I love the Rudy movie because there's that moment where he's talking to the priest. And he asks the priest about God and he says, there's two things I'm sure of. There is a God and I am not him. We have to get to that place in our walk. Because we can get sucked into this vortex, that tunnel of information, the tunnel of knowledge, those things where people want to share with you all sorts of insights. But if you know the word of God, you will know when it's contrary to what you've been taught, when it's contrary to what he wants you to know. You will recognize, right? you know when a phone call comes and you, it, you say hello and it hesitates and there's that part of you that says, I should hang up, this is a sales call. And then you talk yourself into, well, what if it's important? And then it's like one I got yesterday, uh, uh, Wednesday last week was, Hello, this is Steve Martin from the IRS. <laughs> Literally, Steve Martin from the IRS was calling me. And I told him, well, this is Bette Midler, Angela's not home. <laughs> but you can recognize fake. You can recognize it. When you know the difference. But the reason things like that, scams work, is there are people that don't recognize. There are people whose fear supersedes common sense and all of a sudden they're giving them their social security number. We've got to be careful of what we're searching for because the minions out there think it's funny. They think it's funny that Christians can be dissuaded so easily that all of a sudden we come off the mark of Jesus died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He sits on the right hand of our father. We get lost in those three important details with was he crucified here or was it here? I have been to speeches on people arguing the trueness of the Bible based on the placement of the nail. And my point is, hello, he died and rose again. I, don't, I, I know it's significant and I know you're trying to be real detail oriented. But the big detail, the big picture is he rose. There was Easter. Wherever it was, was healed. But they think it's funny that we can get dissuaded and sidetracked so easily. And more importantly, we get in this celebrity thing. We start believing that those people, oh my gosh, I have to tell my folks constantly, you know, when they see something on TV or on the news, that not everything you see is true. I work in television. I can tell you, not everything you see is true. Don't fall for everything you believe. Nine out of ten people said blah, blah, blah. Well, who were the ten people? 79% think, did anybody ask you? Have you ever noticed all those percentages? The millions of people they talk to? That's very self. Has anybody ever been asked your opinion on anything that's gone into the national news? Okay. I think that's a pretty good demographic indicator that uh, it's not representing us. It's not. But this one, uh, this was about six or seven years ago. Do you guys remember this? The secret, the way, all this kind of stuff, whatever. Well, this is the whole thing about, well, if you think positive thoughts, then good things will happen. Good things are going to happen to you. I get to think positive thoughts. And, and the energy that you put in the world, both good and bad, is exactly what comes back to you. 
All right, where is that in the Bible? This is how you litmus things. Where is it? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's a pretty good one. However, all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is he in there anywhere? Any mention at any, at any point? No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, it goes on one last big push. One of the biggest mistakes that humans make is to believe that there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to what you call God. What? All right, folks, when you hear somebody say, well, God said or God did or God whatever, we're in a culture now where you better ask who God is to them. Who's God? To us, it's a natural assumption. Jesus, the Son of God, Lived, died, resurrected. So when we talk about God as a room, I'm going to go ahead and make an assertion that we are thinking Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. Most of these things that you're reading and seeing are not talking about Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. There is an ethereal. There's something. When I, when I talked to people, I ran into a guy this week who's talking about Buddha, and I laughed, and I said, yeah, I've, I've been to his grave. And I have. He's still in it. He laughed, oh, not getting the point that, hello. If, if, you're, if you're God, death is not an issue. He rose. We have to get smarter that we don't take the personality of the presenter, just as Paul said, hey, watch it. Personality of the presenter all of a sudden tells you something that sounds good, easy, plausible, but is void of Jesus. It's just leading you away from that, that peace that surpasses all understanding, that better life that we all want so bad. There was a poll recently, and they voted on the, the top ten religions. Number one in their vote, and keep in mind the demographic that votes online and things like that, we're talking a whole different, there's not us in most cases. Hinduism? Which, if you read into the center of this, is exactly what Oprah had said in that past comment about good things coming back, do good, come back. But they believe that God is just an abbreviation, and it means generator, organization, destroyer. What? What? So they're not even talking the same thing. They're talking about worshiping idols. They're talking about wearing beads, doing your prayer beads, making your, your pilgrimage. All these things. What? As you're looking at this and going, wow, how, do, how are people lost so easily? I get into the, the comments section. Now, Christianity came in sixth in the top ten religions. And then they start in this diatribe of who Jesus was. And, and, and I'm like, was? Why is there a was in all of these comments? And, and they, they are, they're all going on about the, uh, why it's so important to believe in Jesus. And then they go into how... Islam and Christianity are similar. I'm not making this up, folks. I mean, it's just Islam is similar to Christianity because they both believe that the Jesus factor is getting left out. And then we have people that get online and they're going to defend our faith. They're going to defend us. We should be better than six. Christians don't vote on this site. This is ridiculous. And then I scroll down. Christianity is based on, I started at the top. I'm a Christian, but I will tell you the truth without the ism. 
but in NPOV, a neutral point of view. Really? All right. Christianity is based on a few simple principles, unlike most other religions. It does not impose restrictions which make uh, us followers, uh, the followers fanatical. It is one of love and compassion. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe, maybe she's on target. Nope, got a couple thumbs down a few minutes later. I vote for Christianity as I believe the message and the way of life. Following closely to Christianity, uh, a close second to Christianity would be Buddhism and Hinduism. So they go ahead and concede. They got a couple of these. Social media was turning on them. So, well, I, I guess if, if I had to pick something else. Well, when the question's posed, will you pick something else? Let me help you. The answer's no. Eternal life. The only living God. Meanwhile, this guy is going, these people are hilarious. They talk themselves out of things. And I realize that may be offensive, so here. They talk themselves out of it. I don't really have to participate. They, they will get themselves in a quandary. They'll listen to a celebrity. They'll, they'll think things. They'll do things. They'll move in different directions based on the whim of change or what was in the paper or the story that was on the news 92 times yesterday. They begin to question. So back to Colossians. Here we go. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature. And then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all of your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us. And he took away all of that by being nailed on the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. Jesus moved on. He moved on. He proved his point. He moved on. And he said, come with me. Move on from this. But they lingered. Therefore, do not let anyone tell you what you should eat or drink. Do not anyone tell you what uh, the special holy days and ceremonies and Sabbaths. And this was back in the, when the Old Testament and the, and the New Testament were beginning to collide. And it said, in the Old Testament, God made laws about what people could eat and drink. And God also told the Jews to have special holy days. And the Sabbath and the Jewish day of rest. And there were all sorts of things. And the seventh day of the week. The Pharisees then added hundreds of extra laws to God's laws. The false teachers were like judges. They made Christians obey these laws too. In Mark 7 it says that Jesus said that the laws about food had ended. And that Christians could eat any food. Paul wrote to the Galatians because they had started to obey the Old Testament laws again. They started to blend right in and do all the same things. One time I was staying in New York and I stayed with a, a kosher Jewish person. And, uh, and when I got there, they had stickies on everything. Angela, this is for the milks. Use these. And the meat, if you eat anything with meat in it, make sure you use these dishes. And I'm like, okay, all right. I, I didn't get it. And then it was they didn't carry any money on their Sabbath because you weren't, that was considered a violation. So they'd go and pay the day before. They said, do you want anything? We're going to go ahead and prepay the deli for tomorrow. I'm like, no, I'm good. And then that morning, it was a Saturday, I got up to go to work. And I went on in the bathroom. And as I went through the living room, all the lights were on. Because you weren't allowed to turn the lights on either. That was considered work. And I thought, well, that's weird. Okay. I mean, you know, whatever. And I go in the bathroom. I'm drying my hair. And as I'm drying my hair. God, what? What? That's the first time that hair dryer's been on on the Sabbath. What? I'm sorry. 
I really am struggling with the whole understanding of this process. But it was, I had violated the Sabbath because I had turned on an electrical appliance. The hairdryer. I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. We, I don't, in my faith, we, we don't have any of these things. There, there are no loopholes. There's no, I don't, I don't need to go repent for turning on the hairdryer. I, this is new to me. I'm really sorry. I don't want to mess up your house, mojo, but I had no idea. But the bondage that we get into trying to comply and make sure we're covered by God. I've got to make sure. Don't use this plate for this and don't use this cup for that. And please don't turn on a light or the hairdryer because you could violate that relationship that I have between me and God. And, and I don't want you to mess that up. Thank you, Jesus, that you took care of that so that I do not have to worry about hairdryers. Not but do you see how complicated it can get when you flip the switch into all of a sudden? This is why Paul was so upset. He knew how complicated it was. Jesus had delivered them from complicated. He'd made it easy. Folks, why do we have such a hard time with easy? He'd made, he said, look, I, I've covered this. I got it. Follow me. Oh, well, well you know, we, we, we better make sure. Uncertainty had begun to set in. All of these things were done like a shadow of what was coming. All of the previous rituals, all the worrying about the hairdryer, that was done as a shadow. It, it was a, you know, Jesus is real. Christ is real. He's no shadow. In the past, the Old Testament religious laws reminded us and the Jews that, hey, God is holy. A preparation for the Messiah. But the Messiah has come. We have Easter. We celebrate it. Hopefully we celebrate it every day when we speak to him and know we're talking to a loving, living Savior. Do not let anyone cheat you about Christ. Those people bend down and they worship angels. Those people that say that they have seen special things. The sin that is in their mind makes them proud. In Exodus it says that God gave ten main laws, the ten commandments. The first two, the top two. Don't worship anyone else and don't make any idols. Don't put anything before God. Top two. But some people in Colossae were even beginning to worship angels. All of a sudden it became about the... Angels that rolled away the stone instead of the tomb that was empty. They also said that they had special spiritual experiences and that they thought they were better than other people were. How we go, that hierarchy of spiritual elevation. I, I know more than you do. I'm, I'm more sensitive. In verse 19, people like this are, are, are not holding on to Christ. Christ is the true head of the body, the joints and the muscles in the body that hold it together. Christ makes the body strong. God makes the body grow. He's talking about the church as well as us physically. You want to grow? You want to have that better life? This is relationship. Get, your, get, the, get the, the right focus on the head. The, the false teachers and other people said that Christians were not good enough. That they had to add some extra things to be real Christians. But Paul said a Christian has everything that they need in Christ. Christ gives you true life. He gives life to his church. And the false teachers separated themselves from Christ. Because they couldn't acknowledge that Jesus was all powerful. He, they couldn't acknowledge that he was the way. Because it prevented them from having their moment in the sun. From somehow seeming powerful. This is all still in Colossians. You have died with Christ. He freed you from the basic principles of this world. So you should not act as if you still belong to the world. You should not obey such rulers. 
do not handle this, do not taste that, do not do this thing or that thing. These all refer to things that we use. But these things go as soon as they're gone, as soon as we use them. Only people make these rules. These rules may seem to be wise, but they are a part of a religion that people have made up. People pretend to be humble. They punish their bodies. But these rules cannot control a person's thoughts and feelings. Paul did not mean the rules are bad. He was referring to the rules of the false teachers that made the cross seem less powerful. I'm walking down the street in New York last week, and a guy walking with me was a Hindu lady selling beads, and she wanted a donation. So he pulls out five bucks and hands it to her. She hands him the, the little prayer beads. And we had a conversation as we're walking down the street about that point of contact, about putting those beads on. Yeah, it's cool. It's kitschy. It looks good. It just diminished this. Do you need to count your beads and pray? Do you need to rub them in your hand and for good luck? Do you need a rabbit's foot? Do you need those things? Is, is there that lucky something that you carry around or the penny in your pocket or the one in your shoe? Are we diminishing this? Because I can't find those things in the Bible. I've looked. I've looked for rabbit's foot. I've looked for four-leaf clovers. I can't find them anywhere. But I find this. And I find that it's empty. Rulers deal with outer behavior. Christ makes people feel free because he liberates their heart and mind. Your behavior changes because your heart has changed. And I challenge you that your life changes. It gets better when your heart changes. Because the people that irritate you don't irritate you quite as much anymore. I saw a sign. I almost bought it because it was funny. It said, um, I, I, love you. I, I love you today. Yesterday you got on my nerves. Because <laughs> that's really the way we live our lives, isn't it? Honey, I love you today, but yesterday you got on my nerves. But God wants to, Jesus is your Lord and personal Savior. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change the way you look at things, the way you perceive things. Paul's warning to know the false teachers. That's a wolf. <laughs> All right, so... That's why I put the little, see? All right, sorry. All right. Uh, he said, how do you know false teachers? It's ritualism. Are you engaged in an emphasis on the importance of rites and ceremonies? Are there things you have to do or being told to do? Mysticism. Focus on anything but Christ. They may mention Christ, but they offer you an update. All right? Uh, this whole ascentism, the doctrine that a person can attain a high spiritual and moral state by practicing self-denial, self-punishment, and compliance. Intellectualism. Intellectual people do not believe in a creation or a, a God. They've evolved. They become like God. All do not acknowledge Christ's death and resurrection as payment for your sins. If you need a litmus, if you're reading a book, if you're, I don't care if you got it at the Christian bookstore. If this is not acknowledged, if you don't see anywhere where they're saying Jesus is Lord and personal Savior, put the book down. There are people that are, are taking advantage of the uncertainty that we all seem to be dabbling in, this uncertainty of what really happened. I am not uncertain. I am confident. Lived, died, resurrected. And because of the grace of God, I'm still here. You're still here. And we have a future and a hope that's way beyond here. The whole point of confusion the lack of understanding and certainty, that state of being bewildered. That's really what they're after, folks. When you're watching it on TV or in a movie or in a book or anywhere else, or you're talking online or the Internet, or you run into somebody in the grocery store, it's all about confusion. But confusion only happens when you're uncertain. 
Do you know, 100%, I was walking on a beach in Daytona, and somebody came up, and I was really appreciative. This was in college. I appreciated them witnessing to me. And as the first time in a long time, as a young person, I can remember somebody witnessing, and they walked up, and I was with a group of girls, and we were all walking along, and they said, hey, do you believe in Jesus? And then everybody in the group said, yeah, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Give me a percentage. What percentage do you believe you're going to heaven? Zero to 100. Give me a percentage. What would your answer to that question be today? Girl next to me said, 75. He pulled her aside. He said, we need to talk. It's a trick question. It's either zero or 100. That question, that certainty that you have in your heart, that it's 100%. That it is not based on how good you were today or how bad you were yesterday or how horrible your thoughts may feel or the things that you're, you're worrying about or the things you can't control and you're praying about. It's about relationship. If you said, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and personal Savior, you're in the 100% club. Amen. Don't let anyone talk you out of that with nonsense. Romans, the only way that we can be transformed out of confusion and uncertainty is by the constant renewing of our minds. This, oh my gosh, how do I do that? Hint, Bible. Five minutes with that a day, that's all you got, is better than three hours with the latest book. Turn TV off for five minutes, spend that five minutes right there. That's all you got. Because what will happen is after you spend five minutes, it becomes seven minutes and it becomes ten minutes and you're like, oh my gosh, how do you know that? Look at that. There's all sorts of stuff. I was at a garage sale. I think I told you this. And the guy had his Bible on the garage sale in the book pile. And I said, dude, what are you doing? I've read it. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Have you not picked up the Bible when you're in a bad situation and there's that psalm? I know I had to do my uncle's funeral and, and I was reading through and I went to the 23rd psalm and I thought, oh, well, that's a staple. Everybody does. And then I started reading and all of a sudden that one verse hopped off the page to me. Though I walked through the valley in shadow of death. Hey, there's no stop. There's no linger. It's a through. In that moment where I was looking hope and I knew hope in my heart, but now I had to communicate it to somebody else. Through leapt off the page. I've read the 23rd Psalm since I was, I don't know, this big. But through all of a sudden mattered. If you've read the Bible, read it some more. Because there's stuff in it that in the season you are in in your life right now, it will speak to you differently. Shutting off the garbage that we entertain as possibility that is contrary to the word of God, which allows our own thinking to question what's true. Well, what if they're aliens? What if they could? Do you remember that cult that came through about 10 years ago and they all believed that they were going to get sucked up in a spacecraft? So they all went and bought Nikes. Because they had to have Nike tennis shoes on to go to outer space. And so they bought Nikes, and they all laid down, and they drank a special drink. And, because then they could ascend. Hello. They, the, somebody got to those people and entertained the possibility that life could be better if they threw away anything that was faith-based or Jesus-based or God-based. If somehow they bought Nikes, they'd be in. Folks, if the solution seems like it's a simple purchase... That will change your life. It's wrong. It's false. Scripture has told you time and time again. It's all paid for. Just take it. It's it's free. Take it. Allowing yourself to forget what has already been done for you. Don't do that. 
The only way to survive this world is to put on the mind of Christ. In Scripture, that's what it says. Put on the mind of Christ. I think instead of it saying being in the mind of Christ, the reason it says that is it's like putting on a jacket where you say, all right, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today. I'm feeling really uncertain, but I'm going to put on that jacket, that armor, that part of you that says all things are possible through you. I can't do it. You can. I'm putting my jacket on. I'm zipping it up. I'm putting on the mind of Christ because mine can't handle it. Begin to understand the character and nature of Christ through that relationship with him. When you understand the character and nature of Christ, that means you've spent some time to know. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, oh, well, so-and-so, well, they did such and such. Wow, they're a piece of work. They're this or that. And then you stop and you say, hey, wait, wait, wait. I know them. That's not true. I know them. A relationship allows you to defend against inaccuracy. If you have a relationship with Christ, you pray, you, you seek, you read, you have a relationship. Then when people start the nonsense of, well, actually, you're like, oh, no, 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 I know him. Don't tell me about somebody that I know. It is the only way to know fact from fiction is to spend a minute with a relationship. And I guarantee you that minute in relationship will lead to hours That'll lead to a lifetime that'll change the way you think even as you're driving through the tunnel. You'll have a thought and you correct yourself correct. Because you know, I need to know the mind of Christ on this. So I just want to ask you guys today. I'm not trying to linger and go too long, but I want to ask you, what do you believe? Be certain. Be confident. They tell you in business you need to have an elevator speech. So I say, what do you do? And you can say it in 90 seconds before ding, they get out because it's a captive audience. What do you believe? Jesus is Lord and personal Savior. He lived. He rose. He, di- he died on the cross. He-, he lives today. He rose from the dead. All those things that you need to know that are kind of the staple mantras. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what has he done for you lately? Have that answer. Because then when you are at your darkest moment, you can answer yourself. I shared with Buddy a text I got from somebody that said, I, I don't know if I can believe anymore. Life's too hard. It's too hard to believe. Life is way harder without him than it is with him. Have you questioned your salvation? Do you really understand how much God loves you? That's something, that's a process every day where we have to seek him and say, God, I'm sorry for yesterday. Help me do better today. I do love you and I do appreciate you. Please help me to be more like you. It's not impossible. I saw this and it kind of bothered me because I think we've, we've kind of messed up and skewed the whole concept of love and, and caring. And I, this young girl is saying, don't tell me that you love me unless you really mean it. Because I might do something stupid like believe it. Jesus loves you personally, individually. He knows your story. He knows what you tell. He knows what you don't. He's got your back, your front, your side. You're up and you're down. He gives a hoot. That's my vernacular around my house. Hey, I care about you a lot. I give a hoot. Isaiah reminds us, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you in the palm of my hand. The scar, no matter where it is, is a tattoo of you. 
It's a constant reminder that the pain was worth it so that you wouldn't have to do it. It's just like my son. I would do anything to keep him from getting hurt. Imagine how much the Heavenly Father is willing to do for you to protect you and to keep you and to hold you and to lead you and to guide you and to protect you from silly stuff that is unnecessary. We have to have the wisdom to ask and seek. God is not an author of confusion, but of peace. It's a conscious decision. You've got to draw that line. You've got to say, yes, I believe or I don't. Because if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's an age-old saying, but it's true. Eternity is on that line. And I'm not sure that that's worth, I'm certain it's not worth sacrificing for the latest whim of the day or the most popular moment. I'll tell you what, if I wrote online today, I love Jesus and I got 50,000. I don't care. Because I know my Lord and personal Savior. I know eternity is secure. And I know those other 50,000 need to know him. And we got to do more. So do you want a better life? So I just want to remind you today. Look, I remember my, my grandmother. There was a circus. She lived way out in the country in Lewisburg, North Carolina. And she told me a story once. She was a devout Christian. And, you know, she was one of those people that, that always had that giant Bible that was really well used. All the pages were all folded and bent. And, and she told me once, she said, look. There was a circus that came to town in Lewisburg, and there was a, a lady there who was a palm reader. And everybody was enamored with seeing this palm reader. And uh, she said, I, I didn't go. I just knew that that wasn't God. That wasn't a Jesus thing. She said, but I had a friend, an old farmer, that went to see her. And while I was sitting there, she said, oh, my goodness. You need to be careful. Trains. You need to be careful of trains. There were no trains in Lewisburg. There weren't even any trains two or three hours away. Nowhere close. But that word, that seed got planted, and he became obsessed with trains. And why should he be concerned with trains? He began to study them and look at them and research them. He needed to know more about trains. Years later, he went to uh, uh, Roanoke Rapids to see the trains. And this is going to be ridiculous. He got killed by a train. So you say, wait, was she right? No. She planted the seed that misdirected him off of his path. He left the farm. He left his family, left the house. He forgot about what he was supposed to be doing, and he got focused on trains. He sought out the train. He wanted to see the train. Had to see the train line. Had to get on a track. All because he went to the circus, and he dabbled for a moment in something that had nothing to do with Jesus. Have you dabbled in anything? Have you dabbled? Do you read the horoscopes every day? That's a dabble. Do you read a daily devotion like it's a horoscope? That's a dabble. Is there anything that you've been curious about? Have you, have you searched for something or looked for something? Have you, have you just for a minute maybe explored? Colossi that was full of people with all sorts of great ideas that were just really stupid suggestions. So today, I know we normally pray about, hey, let's pray. Anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus, we're going to pray about that. We're going to give you the opportunity today to change it. You want a better life? 100%. Guaranteed. Is it easier? No. Is it better? Yes. Because I'd rather have a hard life with hope than a good one with no hope. 
What if you've dabbled? Let's get rid of that today. Today is the day you say, all right, Lord, I'm sorry for that. And I'm not doing it anymore. No more dabbling. I'm drawing the line. I will no longer do anything that keeps me from being close to you. I won't let anybody's voice tell me about a train <laughs> and send me down that path of getting run over in a ridiculous way for no reason. It had no point but to confuse. Let's get rid of the confusion today. Draw the line. It takes discipline to draw the line. If it's somehow a joke and you flip it over every time you go to Little Philly and you read the one on the back, it takes discipline to not do it. Anywhere. So today, let's, let's do something different. We all want a better life. I think that's an agreement that we could all make a pact, myself included. So today, we put that barrier. We draw that line. We step up. We know what we believe, and we're not ashamed of it anymore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Your word says, Father, any more, any two or more gathered, and we agree in your name, God. It's a powerful moment. So, Lord, we just ask and we thank you for being with us here today. We ask, God, that anyone here today who, who is just uncertain or who has questioned, who's kind of been up and down on the, on the top of the line one day and below the line the next, we ask today, God, that you lift them above the line. And right now, in this moment, they say, yes, Lord, I need you. Please be my Lord and personal Savior. Please load a better life. Give me a control-alt-delete reboot. Help me, God, to know exactly what it is that I need to do to be more like you every day. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you deliver and save them, that you lift them up, God, from desperation and despair, and you help them, God, to know that you love them personally, that you care, that you give a hoot. And Lord, for all of us, God would draw the line. I don't want to be like the people in Colossae. I don't want to entertain anything that isn't you. I want the wisdom, God, to know the difference. And I want to know how to turn away and walk in different directions. Those are the prayers that we all need to pray today, God. And I just pray over us right now, God, that we recognize what is not of you and we cast it aside. And those things that are you, we embrace wholeheartedly. We no longer walk ashamed. We walk confident. We no longer hide our faith. We express it. We are grateful, God, that you care for us, that you care for us, our emotions, our spirit, that you care financially, physically, that, God, you can heal us and deliver us from the things that are dragging us below the line. So, God, we just thank you for that deliverance today. We celebrate, God, that we have newness and that, God, you have forgiven us for everything that we have ever done. And you love us so much. What you really want to do, Father, is bless us beyond what we could imagine. So, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, position us for blessing. Help us embrace your grace and mercy. Give us your peace that surpasses understanding. And the hope that has confident expectation that our future is bright. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.